Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Beshalach Sheni, the second Aliyah in Pashas Beshalach. It is a short Aliyah on the topic of fear in the ranks. It is only six Sokim long, running from Perik Yudalad, Pasuk Test to Yudalad. Let's take a look at a brief overview and then we'll jump into some points to ponder. We hear that Mitzrayim are now chasing after the nation of Israel. They capture up, uh, catch up to them where they're encamping in bank, uh, on the embankments of the sea. Um, and it, is, it sounds like the Korsus Rechev Parov Parashav it's the army, it's the chariots, it's the cavalry, and they're all have them surrounded. As they come close, B'nai Yisrael look up, they see that Egypt is following them by Yeru'umu'od, and they're very scared. They call out to Hashem, they say then to Moshe Rabbeinu, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you have to took us, take us out to the desert to bury us here? We, didn't we tell you in Egypt, leave us alone and we'll just carry on serving? Why? It's too difficult to take us through this route. It is better for us to serve Mitzrayim than for us to die in the desert. Moshe Rabbeinu responds to them. He says, don't fear. Stand and you're going to see that Yeshua Hashem the salvation of God, which He will do for you today. Like you saw, as you see in Israel today, you will never see them again. Hashem will fight for you, and you will be made silent. What is referring, this referring to? What is going on over here? So there's a number of questions to ask on this Aliyah. Number one is, what generated all this fear? After all, did B'nai Israel not see all the incredible makos, um, plagues, wonders, and things that went on in Egypt? Why is it that now they are doubting? Why are they scared at this point in time. Rav Sarotskin points out a very beautiful idea, and that is seeing is different to hearing. We can tell ourselves, we believe, we believe, we believe, but then when we actually see the chariots approaching us, it's not so easy to believe. Remember once I had a chance to take a ropes course, and you're standing there, you know, 20, 30 feet above the ground, and you're in the, on the middle of this platform, which is shaking every time you breathe in, and you're, it's, it's abject fear. If you're caught in the middle of that, it's very hard to get across some, some sections. And the funny thing is, is that you're wearing a harness. And so even if you fall, you're not going to fall. You'll just get caught by the harness, but you still live in fear. We can know that we're safe, but we don't feel we're safe. And that's where B'nai Israel were. They, they knew that Hashem had helped them, but they still saw the chariots coming. And that's where they were standing right now. Rashi says that, the, that what they saw, what made them even more concerned was they didn't just see Egypt. When it says Mitzrayim, it refers to Saroy Shel Mitzrayim. It refers to the spiritual agent of the armies of Egypt, which meant that there was a celestial power representing Egypt, which they saw. Rav Sarotskin has another perspective on this, that he says that, that, that the, the, if you think about it, you remember during the plague of Barad, the only people who actually had any horses to ride with in the cavalry or the chariots would be ones who took their horses in to the stables when they were warned by Moshe Rabbeinu, which means those are the Yerei Devar Hashem, those who feared the word of God, who are the ones who took their horses in. Those were the ones who possibly had horses, and yet they themselves are coming out, which meant to say that B'nai Israel were now really scared because here you have the best of the Mitzrayim who are coming after them. That's who they notice. Rav Hirsch points out, just bearing all of this in mind, bearing these three different avenues of thought in mind, we see an important point about the nation of Israel, and that is the Jewish people are not easy masses to convince about anything. They're not the type of uh, cult followers who just will jump on the bandwagon and do kinds of all terrible things to themselves because of a charismatic leader. Anytime 
they're asked to do something. Anytime the goings get difficult, anytime there's a question to be asked, they are questioning. They are doubting. They are pushing back. That means to say that when they did accept the Torah, when the nation of Israel does accept the Torah, they, it was because they surmounted all their skepticism and concern. That means there was a real acceptance. This was not because they were a gullible people. And we can see it in all of these hesitations that we're going to see now and throughout the parasha. Another question which is asked is, if you, if you hear about this, it, it does on the one hand say that there was all the cavalry of Egypt, but in the previous aliyah we hear about 600 chariots. Now 600 chariots, and they're a formidable um, weapon, in, in, and this is the most advanced technology in the world at this point in time, is, is the chariot. But in the end of the day, there are arguably 3.2 million Hebrews. Because if you think about it, there's 600,000 men, that means 600,000 women. And then let's add in, let's say, two children per, per family, which they're obviously vastly a greater amount than that. Where do, why is it that they were even scared? You know, yes, just, just the masses, just over, overpower the chariots. Just they, 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 they will never get anywhere if everybody runs the chariot. Yes, a few people will be maimed and killed. But in the end of the day, they will stop the chariots. Ibn Ezra says that the reason they couldn't do that was because of their slave mentality. They were beaten into submission so long that they had not the opportunity, the volition, the strength, the inner resilience to fight back. And that's where they lived. Um, very important point. That's perhaps why it is that Moshe Rabbeinu, who's the leader, is Minamai Mishisil. He has an Egyptian name. He, is, he grew up in the Egyptian palace. He, in a certain sense, does not have that, that, that mindset of the slave. Now the question is, is what, when do they say that they wanted to stay in Egypt? They say now, we told you, leave us alone and we'll still serve in Egypt. When do they actually say this? So the Rashi points to the fact that the end of Pasha Shmos, when Moshe Rabbeinu first made his demands on Pharaoh, and Pharaoh removed the, the, the stocks, he removed the, uh, the, the straw to make the bricks, and still demanded, demanded the same output. That was when a group came to him and, and Nitzavim standing up and they said, you know, why is it you're asking for freedom now? Things have got worse. That was the same group who was saying now, well, we should have stayed in Egypt. Um, finally, one last question of this idea is, why are they told to keep quiet? Why is it that, that B'nai Israel told to keep quiet? Isn't prayer an, always the appropriate thing to, to be doing? We'll explore this a little bit next idea as well. So Rav Sarotskin quotes the Chaye Odom. Chaye Odom, Rav Danzig, has a beautiful um, addition to the Tefillah Zakah, to the prayer said just before Yom Kippur, and he says the following. It says, the mouth, the tongue, the lips, and the teeth are like the four big day kohuna, the, the garments of the priesthood which are worn in serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Chaye Adam would say that, Hashem, I have defiled my garments of kohuna. I have defiled my implements of avoda for you, which is my service of tefillah. Why? Because of the way I've spoken, the way I've used my mouth, the way I've used my tongue, my lips, and my teeth have been impurified. What Moshe Ben is saying to them is, Atem you'll be quiet because by complaining you've doubted God. By complaining, you've articulated the fact that you don't really believe that he has what it takes. So therefore, you should keep quiet now so HaKosh Baruch can facilitate this without you being able to pray because you've now dismissed this avenue of prayer. With this, we conclude the second Aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful